Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. Your host, Josh, here today. I'll be talking about Jerry Judy getting carted off with a hamstring injury, what that means for the Denver Broncos. The Cardinals, well, they keep making disaster moves after disaster moves as well. Then I'll talk about Anthony Richardson, Jonathan Taylor, Aaron Rodgers. And then college football is officially underway tomorrow. So let's get into it right now, starting with Jerry Judy, who got carted off with a hamstring injury. Now, for those of you who don't know, he's a wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Uh, He's expected to miss uh, several weeks. Uh, The timetable is until week three, so it looks like he would miss the season opener against the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And then uh, he would come back a couple weeks after that. Uh, This, to me, is big news because their wide receiver room, I never thought was elite. Uh, You know, Russell Wilson with the Seahawks had so many reliable wide receivers uh, throughout the years, from Golden Tate to Doug Baldwin um, to DK Metcalf to Tyler Lockett. He always had reliable guys uh, who weren't ever really injured. But this wide receiver room I don't think is great. They're injury-prone. Tim Patrick, who I thought was their best wide receiver, last year tore his ACL. This year, rehabbing that, he tore his Achilles. So he is out for the year. That, to me, is a big loss. K.J. Hamler uh, had a heart ailment um, as well. Uh, Jalen Virgil, knee injury. Uh, Brandon Johnson has missed several weeks uh, with a leg injury as well. So you look at uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, who is there, who is their main starter, but Jerry Judy is the number two guy. And now you have him out. So you have Cortland Sutton, who's a good wide receiver. But below him, it's injury-prone, not a lot of depth, not a lot of experience to help out uh, Russell Wilson. Um, you know, Marvin Mims, who missed some of the offseason program, had his own off-street uh, hamstring issues is coming back into the fold. But this isn't good for the Denver Broncos, who are looking to uh, change the momentum of this team. To me, it doesn't look good. I think if the Broncos were healthy, I would pick them to beat the Raiders. But I I outlined a few days ago uh, on a recent podcast, to me, the Raiders are an underrated team. They have a lot of good key players. I don't know about that week, what matchup now. Then they have a testy commander team, Dolphins high-powered offense. So they needed a solid start to gain momentum uh, for, I think, you know, a lot of eyes are going to be watching this Broncos team to kind of cool down. Uh, but if they start losing fast, Russell Wilson will be on the hot seat, this team as well. I don't know how they look for week one, honestly. I, uh, I don't think things look good for this team. I never picked, I never thought they were going to make the playoffs, but it looks like things could be over before it even starts for the Denver Broncos. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals made a couple of trades uh, yesterday. 
The first one was they moved on from their 2020 first-round pick, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, he was the number one eight pick in that 2020 draft, and they have traded him for a seventh-round pick. That, my friends, is not how you run a team. That's not how you deal, make trades, have value, is by trading a first-round pick from three years ago for a seventh-round pick. What does that mean? They were essentially going to release him. Come on, a seventh-round pick? That's all you could get for a former first-rounder who's still under contract as well for another season. You can pick up a fifth-year option. Uh, It doesn't look good. Um, Of course, the new general manager didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Uh, But to me, it's it's interesting because with Clemson, uh, he kind of lined up as a linebacker. And then he got drafted, and they had him as safety. And it didn't really work out. It looked like this offseason with new head coach Jonathan Gannon. But the Cardinals are in disarray. I talked about getting absolutely fleeced by the New York Giants. One seventh rounder for Isaiah Simmons. Now, I don't think Isaiah Simmons is great. I don't even think he should have been the original pick of the Arizona Cardinals. But you trade him for a seventh round pick. To me, that's that's terrible management right there. But the Cardinals weren't done after that. What else did they do? Well, the... Cardinals traded for Joshua Dobbs. So the Browns got a fifth-round selection. The Cardinals got a seventh-round in Joshua Dobbs. So Joshua Dobbs has more value than Isaiah Simmons. In the minds of the Cardinals, obviously, because a seventh-round pick for Isaiah Simmons, you had a fifth-round pick for Joshua Dobbs. Now that, to me... Makes no sense. I don't know how the Cardinals did this one. They fleeced themselves in both trades because Joshua Dobbs, let's face it, he's not a great quarterback. End of the season last year with the Tennessee Titans, he didn't look good in the season finale, a game uh, that, you know, I thought Mike Vrabel had a great game. Play call was tight, and Joshua Dobbs just, poor guy, can't make throws. And that's the truth. So with Kyler Murray out, you're going to have Joshua Dobbs competing with Colt McCoy for the starting job. Yet you bring him in just under two weeks, or I guess for most of the teams, two weeks before the season starts. Again, I think the Cardinals organization is an absolute joke. Uh, This trade in itself was a joke. Um, uh, I know Caleb Williams said yesterday that, you know, he's undecided if he's going to get, you know, go to the NFL draft, which I, he didn't say that there was a source or story that said that. And again, I don't agree with that. I believe he is going to go to the draft this year. But if I'm Caleb Williams, I may be rethinking this. Because do I want to go to the Arizona Cardinals who are an absolute tire fire? of an organization, an organization that is inept, doesn't know what it's doing, 
in overbear skis. I don't know. But if I'm I'm a player, uh, I might say might pull a uh, what's his name Eli Manning for, you know from 20 years ago and if you know I'm asking for a trade right away after I get drafted because I wouldn't want to go to the Arizona Cardinals at all. Next up, Anthony Richardson. What about Anthony Richardson? Well, Anthony Richardson, to me, from the game yesterday, looked poised, looked ready to be a starting quarterback. Now, passing numbers don't jump out at you. He was 6 of 17, 78 yards. Uh, but what I did like is his ability to move a pocket. He's such a a big guy, sort of like Josh Allen. And I believe he is going to more slowly into Josh Allen where this year he's going to have highlight plays. His passing will be a little unrefined, but give him a year or two, he's going to look really good. Why? Because he has the talent. He has the tools. And to me, he's got the right coach. Uh, Shane Steichen, offensive coordinator from the Eagles. To me, it works because he was involved with the progression of Jalen Hurts. At first, Jalen Hurts didn't look anything special. But hey, Shane Steichen with him. Jalen Hurts made progression, and he turned into a superstar quarterback. I believe Shane Steichen can do the same thing with Anthony Richardson, and I believe Anthony Richardson is more physically gifted than Jalen Hurts. So I believe in time he will be better. The dual threat to me is amazing. Uh, Just his instinct, his ability uh, to read RPOs, zone reads, already makes him special. So I think the progression, and when I looked at the game last night, to me, I'd be fine trading Jonathan Taylor. The Colts don't need Jonathan Taylor. With the way Shane Steichen runs the offense, similar to the Eagles, they just need competent running backs. Why? Because Jalen Hurts can run. So that opens things up for a Miles Gaskin or you know whoever their running back may be, DeAndre Swift this year, Rashad Penny. They can filter through running backs because they have Jalen Hurts and can run those options. So to me, they don't need Jonathan Taylor, who's a workhorse like a Derrick Henry. They can have a Kenyon Drake, uh, whoever back there. Of course, I'd like a, a better running back, but I don't think the way that they'll play, they're going to need Jonathan Taylor in a role like Derrick Henry is, uh, that Jonathan Taylor was in a few years ago. So... I don't think that's going to be necessary. I think they should trade him, and I'll get more into that in just a minute. But I think Anthony Richardson, uh, you had four key quarterbacks uh, go in this draft. You had a lot of quarterbacks taken in this draft, but you had four really hyped-up quarterbacks. You had Bryce Young taken first overall, C.J. Stroud taken second, Anthony Richardson third, and fourth was Will Levis. Actually, Anthony Richardson was taking fourth. He was the third quarterback. And Will Levis with the fourth quarterback taken in the second round. Uh, I'm kind of not, you know, Will Levis I don't think can get graded properly right now because he is a backup to Ryan Tannehill. uh, And he was taken in the second round. So there's not as hype around Will Levis as there around the first three quarterbacks because they're going to be starting unlike Will Levis. So out of those three quarterbacks, 
I believe Anthony Richardson will be the best quarterback out of those three. I was never high on C.J. Stroud. Uh, he had all-time weapons in uh, Ohio State. I know people like to talk about Mac Jones, and oh, the only reason he was good at Alabama was, oh, he had the weapons, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jerry Judy, you know, all that. That's what made him look good. And that's a, that's a fine argument. It is an argument. Um, I believe his rookie year kind of disproved that argument. But C.J. Stroud had the same weapons. He had Marvin Harrison, who was looking to be the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson Jr. Uh, he had uh, Yemeka Ibuka, who's going to be another first-round wide receiver uh, with Marvin Harrison later this year or next year's draft. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was the first uh, overall pick this year. He had Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. That's a stacked wide receiver room. Doesn't have those weapons in Houston. Uh, the game is different as well. He doesn't have the offensive line uh, two tackles as well. So I don't think he's going to be great. I thought when he played NFL-level talent, like against Michigan, he shrunk in both games now. Again, his best game was Georgia. And again, that was just one game. That was one game out of his career against a great team, tough team with NFL-level talent that he looked good. And then Bryce Young, the size does worry me that his offensive line is so much bigger. He's so precise, uh, accurate, but I don't know if he's going to hold up. And to me, I don't know if he has he has that special quality that Anthony Richardson is. I think Bryce Young can be a good, competent quarterback, but I don't see him in the level of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, um, you know, Justin Herbert. I see Anthony Richardson with those quarterbacks more so than Bryce Young. I see Bryce Young, you know, in a Dak, Kirk Cousins sort of category. And I think Anthony Richardson can be a lot better than those guys. Next up. The Dolphins. So what about the Dolphins? Well, as recently on my podcast, I've been talking about um, Jonathan Taylor, his trade request. So, you know, there's a couple teams, you know, if you listen to recent podcasts, I said I wanted them to go to. I said the Bills, uh, Cowboys, Rams. So there's been like one clear-cut team today that submitted an offer, said it was reasonable. That was the Miami Dolphins. Now, my first reaction to this was really, and not because it was the Dolphins, but because of the Buffalo Bills. I just thought, wake up, Buffalo. Wake up. Now, why do I say that? Well, Miami and Buffalo are in the same division. Now, there was just a running back that was taken. Uh... Dalvin Cook to the Jets, and the Miami had an offer for him. Uh, teams wanted Dalvin Cook services. He went to the Jets. Dolphins didn't get him. So they submit a trade for Jonathan Taylor. 
And to me, it just want it just screams wake up Buffalo because the Dolphins need him. There's an argument that they don't. They have Raheem Mostert, who has home run speed. They have Jeff Wilson, who's a good complement. They also have Miles Gaskin, who I think is a good running back. So they have a good committee of running backs. But Buffalo, Buffalo doesn't have a good committee of running backs like I could say they do. Uh, they have James Cook, who is starting, and I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on Damien Harris or Ty Johnson or Latavius Murray. They're not as good as the running backs in the Dolphins' um, running back room. And I wanted Buffalo to trade for him because I said if they get Jonathan Taylor, they can be at the same you know line with the Bills, I, my bad, with the Bengals and the Chiefs. But if the Dolphins want to go out and get him, why? Because they have an offensive coach in Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel, an offensive specialist, and knows how to work players like Jonathan Taylor into the system with other running backs and other great talent that they already have in Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, because they want to make the offense even more explosive than it can be, if that's even possible with this uh, Dolphins team. Whereas Buffalo is set with a defensive-minded head coach in Sean McDermott, who I think should be on the hot seat. And to me, if they don't do good this year, uh, you can lump him with Brandon Staley. Why? Because Sean McDermott is ignorant. Uh, he doesn't realize that there's a hole on the offense that has to be fixed. He thinks that since Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in the lead, league, that he can mask a lot of the offensive problems. When in reality, he can't. Now, when he is perfect, which we saw, which we have seen games, he can. But it's not sustainable. It's just not having those running backs on your roster, having Josh Allen as your second leading rusher just 40 yards shy of Devin Singletary was last year. That isn't sustainable. So, again, my message to Buffalo, Sean McDermott, wake up. Why is there another team in your division that's going after Jonathan Taylor and you're just sitting back staring pat at the wall? Oh, we don't need him. We've got Josh Allen. Josh Allen, he's a top three, top five quarterback in the league. He can mask the problems, him and Stephon Diggs. It's not like we have a great number two wide receiver. Yes, we drafted Dalton Kincaid, but we like where we're at. You shouldn't like where you're at, Buffalo. Why? Because he got bounced in the playoffs in Cincinnati, and they actually embarrassed you. It wasn't close. It didn't look fair. You were outclassed, outmatched by the superior team. In the Cincinnati Bengals, or in the Cincinnati Bengals, why? Because they realized that hey, him being an offensive coach of uh, a Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, they got a good quarterback in Joe Burrow. They got weapons in Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They got a running back in Joe Mixon. They have an offensive line. They realize that offense is important, and they need the firepower to compete against teams like the Chiefs and the AFC. But the Bills have not realized that. 
That's why the Jets, they didn't just stay pat with Aaron Rodgers. They went out and got Dalvin Cook. That's why Miami submitted an offer for Jonathan Taylor. There's levels to this. And if Buffalo is not uh, adept, they don't adapt, their championship Super Bowl window might have already passed them by and it might already be shut if they don't adapt. Next up. Staying in the same division, New York Jets. So tomorrow the Jets are officially making Aaron Rodgers' preseason debut at MetLife against the Crosstown rival. New York Giants' Jets are six-point favorites, which I think is a significant spread for a preseason. Also, side point, if you want to see Aaron Rodgers, you can get tickets for as low as $35 uh, tomorrow. That is the best price you'll be seeing Aaron Rodgers uh, than any other regular season game. But again, why does Robert Sala want Aaron Rodgers to play? Is it because he's worried that Aaron can't play? No, because it's more about the team than it is Aaron. It's the comfortability with the first-team offense, with the offensive linemen, the plays, uh, the system. It's, you know, MetLife Stadium, new stadium. I get the feel, the atmosphere, the fans. I kind of get the first taste of it all that, you know, will be eventually the real thing two weeks from Monday. So I think it's smart for Robert Solid to be doing this, to have this message. And it also shows an acceptance on Aaron's part that, hey, Robert Solid's making all this everyone suiting up tomorrow. Uh, Keenan Williams, Garrett Wilson, everybody that's healthy will be suiting up. I think that's good. You want your leaders to follow suit. And, you know, is that last episode of Hard Knocks, you have commanders, and the commanders take the competitors, people follow you. Aaron Rodgers, Keenan Williams, you know, they're the commanders of this team. What they go, the rest of the great guys on that team will follow. I'm excited for Aaron Rodgers' preseason debut. That's when I'll be watching uh, tomorrow, 6 o'clock Eastern, MetLife, Go Jets. Next up, I want to shift topics to NBA, just because I thought it was decent news. And that had to do with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, Yesterday, Giannis, you know, is eligible to sign a contract extension next month, but says he doesn't plan to do so because he's not going to sign until he knows that the organization will continue to compete for championships. He said this, and I quote, Next summer, it would make more sense for both parties. Even then, I don't know. I would not be the best version of myself if I don't know that everybody's on the same page. Everybody's going for a championship. Everybody's going to sacrifice time away from their family like I do. And if I don't feel that, I'm not signing, end quote. So, yes, I thought that was pretty big that, hey, he's just focused on winning championships. Now, he's entering the third year of a five-year deal. It looks like he's not going to sign a deal this offseason. But you wait till next offseason if you're Milwaukee, and guess what? 
He has a player option, and he can opt out next summer. If Giannis were to opt out and become a free agent, that would this next year's free agency it would be the biggest free agency decision since LeBron if he were to decide to go somewhere else. Now, to me, it's very key because, hey, the Bucks fired Coach Mike Budenholzer, who I thought he was close with. Uh, the Bucks did sign Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton to deals uh, to prevent them from leaving, but it's the same team. They're just aging. Brooks Lopez, I think, is great getting a little older. Chris Middleton, we'll see if he has a bounce-back season this year. Uh, I believe he should be healed from his injuries. But this is a big year for the Bucks organization to try to keep Giannis, who I think is the second best player in the world right now behind um, Nikola Jokic. Now, Ante Dekumpo, Giannis says, you know, he wanted to remain, you know, with one franchise like Kobe Bryant did, like Dirk Nowitzki did. Uh, but he, again, he wants to win. So I think coming off a of first round exit, disappointment to the Miami Heat, changes your perspective. Wants to win, I get it, uh, but this will be a bit, very big season for the Bucks. I think if they don't at least make it to the conference finals or the finals, and they don't make significant changes next summer, there might be a possibility where we see Giannis in a different uniform before the start of next season, which is a crazy possibility uh, because, hey, He's talked about playing with Steph. Would it be crazy to see him and Steph on the same team, even if it is just for the last year or two of Steph's prime? What if you were to team up with LeBron, wherever LeBron goes? If it's with his son, if it's still in L.A., who knows? But that is potentially big news, and I do think there's a very good chance that Giannis doesn't resign because he does want to win. And he's already won his title in Milwaukee. Next up, college football. So week zero is what this weekend is officially called. There's not a lot of, you know, great games on where you're like, oh, that matchup's very good. You know, Hawaii Vanderbilt or FIU Louisiana Tech, it's not like, oh. I mean, there's only six games, seven games on tomorrow. But two of them feature teams from top 25. So first you have Navy playing Notre Dame in Ireland season opener. So Notre Dame quarterback transfer uh, from North Carolina, Sam Hartman, playing Navy. They're 20.5-point favorites. I think Notre Dame wins this game. I thought Notre Dame last year ended very strong. They beat Clemson, absolutely smashed them. They beat Navy by three points, which was their opponent they're playing this weekend. They smoked Boston College, shut them out 44-0. to They did lose to USC, a tough one, but at USC, 38-27. And then they won their bowl game against the hot South Carolina team, 45-38. So I do think Notre Dame's going to win this one. I thought Notre Dame really found its momentum the end of the year with new head coach Marcus Freeman. Uh, you know, I really like this new Notre Dame team, and the leadership of Marcus Friedman, the culture around there. So I do think Notre Dame is going to easily, easily handle maybe tomorrow. 
These are my two unofficial picks, by the way. This one, I'm picking Notre Dame. And then next, San Jose State and USC. Uh, this, to me, I think will be an absolute route. To me, it's crazy because you have USC was the number six team in the country. Rating Heisman winner Caleb Williams, who also has the best odds to repeat and win the Heisman again this year. Uh, and they open against San Jose State as 31.5-point favorites. I don't really think there's any shot on giving San Jose State to win this game. I think USC is going to roll them. And it is going to be interesting that, hey, a week early than all games are on. Uh, these are really the two games to watch. And I think USC and Caleb Williams are going to start off strong and put a statement against not a worthy opponent in San Jose State. This has been Unbothered. I hope you all have a great weekend. Talk to you guys next week. Bye, everybody.